One of the challenges of being a successful professional athlete is learning how to resist temptation. I say this not with arrogance or vanity, but just in an attempt to explain myself after succumbing too many times. My adolescent habit of dividing females into two types, the good girl you want at home to provide and care for, and the bad girl from across the way whose only need is for me to unbuckle her skin-tight jeans, does not make being married to me very easy. I was 23 when we married. Turk made it clear there would be no other women in my life. And for a time, I stayed committed. I cut off communication with Carol and blew off some of my most dedicated friends from high school. Turk didn't want my past and tried to control my future. She'd accuse even her own friends and me of making flirtatious advances. At one point, when we were living in the condo in Lido Beach, she asked me to pick up a friend of hers at the airport. And by the time I got home, an hour and a half later than she expected, Turquoise was fuming. Where y'all been? What y'all been doing? It's awkward, because this is her friend, and she is our house guest. I tell her the truth. Nothing happened. Her flight was delayed. Doesn't matter. Turquoise stays mad at both of us the whole four days her friend is in town, which isolates us from each other. She doesn't want to hear the truth, and I don't want to fight. Turquoise is a strong woman. That's what I love about her. And that is both her greatest virtue and perhaps her greatest flaw, as she can fixate on her suspicions for months without ever telling me what it is she is thinking. She doesn't have to tell me. I know she knows I'm stepping out, but I wonder if she is as well. But I don't want to tell any lies, to a cop or an attorney, and I'm not certain of anything but her violent hysterics. In the beginning of our marriage, Turquoise's suspicions weren't justified. Now I hardly have a leg to stand on in a divorce. If men in their late 20s and early 30s become aware of the passage of time, of what has been accomplished and, perhaps more important, what hasn't, a professional athlete becomes hyper-aware. We are confronted with a shorter productive peak, just a decade or so into our primes, if we are lucky. I sometimes wonder if so many of the basketball players' diversions are just that, desperate attempts to push away thoughts of the inevitable, the end of the career, the end of this life. Players drink, smoke, seek out inappropriate sex partners, we are outsized in all areas, including our appetites. I met Samantha Stevenson in the spring of 1978 in the Philadelphia locker room. She was reporting for Sport Magazine and would later help Turquoise write that letter to the New York Times, my first year with the Sixers. She is a smart, single woman, a pretty white girl, a bit of a hippie giving off a vibe of availability. She is an unusual presence still one of the first wave of female reporters who have crossed the threshold into what had previously been an exclusively male clubhouse. I like her. She's comfortable playing the flirt in pursuit of an exclusive story. A lot of players like her, and she must like the attention, too. After a while, she becomes someone who helps me unwind if I'm feeling high-strung or stressed. I can drive over and spend a relaxing evening that might even include oral sex. I'm not proud of the arrangement, but as I said, I had this immature view of women, that there are good girls and bad girls, 
and she seemed a level above the buffet of easy women at Jack's Place in Detroit or Warren's in Houston, which were more or less brothels for star athletes, except you didn't have to pay. So for months, Sam is providing me with a kind of therapy, but we don't have what I consider a serious relationship. I can only remember one time that we actually had intercourse, and that was because she had just gotten this new orthodontia to straighten her teeth. With wire and gleaming metal bristling in her mouth, oral sex was not an option.